This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanol, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveler, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. It's no secret that empowered women empower women. That's what our next guest has been inspired to do ever since she watched her single mum raise her children on her own. I'm so excited to welcome Marita Chang onto the show today. Marita is a phenomenal woman. She has successfully started three companies in the robotics space and empowered other women to pursue careers in STEM. She's even been named one of the world's top 50 women in tech by Forbes and is a Forbes 30 Under 30 listee. I'm thrilled to share my conversation with Marita about how she gained the courage to step up and out on her own, the stories behind her different robotic ventures and her advice to other females with huge ambitions. For those of you who haven't yet, make sure to take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs. Okay, without further ado, here is my conversation with the brilliant Marita Chen. Marita. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Michelle. Of course. So, you know, you and I connected very recently over email. We were just saying before, it's only been a couple of days since we connected and we're able to have this interview before you head off to to San Francisco. Um, But look, when I looked into you and all the awesome work you're doing in the robotics space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, really like discussing what I do and um, and it's great that you're supporting entrepreneurs and innovators and wanting to shine a spotlight on them. Awesome, of course. Cool. So, you know, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. So I am a entrepreneur and I, uh, I started a bunch of companies in the robotics space and, uh, yeah, some of those are RoboGals to get girls interested in engineering and technology careers and tertiary studies, uh, iPoly, uh, which is computer vision on a phone in order to recognise images in real time for blind people to recognise everyday objects, 
and uh, Albot, which uh, makes robots to help people in their everyday lives. It's huge. This is why I was so excited to have you on the show. Looking at all the companies you've started and all kind of the innovations you've created over the years, um, it's just amazing to see. And I can't wait to dive deeper into that. But before I do, I want to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing. And that is, what did your parents do? And how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and your career so far? Sure. So my mum was a kitchen hand and then a hotel room cleaner. And my dad owned his own Chinese restaurant. Wow. There you go. How do you think that impacted kind of the way you saw the world of work, your life in general? Yeah. So my parents actually got divorced when I was one month old. And so my mum brought me up and she just worked really hard because she had to look after my brother and I, and my brother's three and a half years older than me. So she'd just work all the time, like weekends, um, late. uh, So, yeah, I was always, like, the last person to be picked up from, like, after-school care or, like, the person who was left behind after, like, my piano at Steadfords. I'd just be, like, standing there waiting for my mum for an hour and everyone else would have left. Or, like, I'd be waiting at school for an hour. And so, um, yeah, my mum worked really hard and... I think I I didn't, like, ever resent her for working hard. I mean, sometimes I was very upset that I had to wait, like, an hour after all the other kids had left. But um, I think I, I recognised very early on that, yeah, she was just working really hard in order to support my brother and I and give us the best education that she could afford. And, um, and you know, I think that's really important because I guess some people, they – they, they think, oh, my parents work so hard and they don't see the link between the parents working hard in order to support the kid. And so they, like, become resentful of the parents. But I, I was always like, oh, no, I, I get it. And so I, I kind of just took the learning that, yeah, if you want anything, you have to, like, work really hard for it. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd see my mom come home from work and just go to sleep on the couch and then wake up a few hours later, um, cook me dinner, water the plants, and then go to sleep again. And so she was just always working and um, and always, like, caring for me. And so, yeah, I feel really lucky that my mum worked so hard in order to provide me with a good education, the best that she could afford. And I think the other thing that that whole experience taught me is, I mean, my mum didn't, didn't earn a lot of money as a hotel room cleaner. And it, I, I kind of saw that, you know, she was earning, I don't know, like $30,000, $40,000 a year and... And she was, like, putting my brother and I through Catholic schools and we're getting, like, extracurricular activities as well. I mean, this is all in Cairns, so it's much much more affordable to live in Cairns than it is to live in Melbourne or the big cities. And it just made me realise that, yeah, I could go out and be an entrepreneur and do lots of crazy things. And even if it all failed, uh, I could always just, yeah, get a job as, you know, if worse comes to worse, I could get a job as a room cleaner and support a family. Huge. I love how you shared that with us. Thanks so much. I think it's so interesting to hear kind of the motivation behind, you know, someone like yourself to build these companies, to go through what it takes to build a business, you know, and it's just so interesting that it it often does come down to how we were raised, what we saw as a child. Was the absence of your father kind of as a child, how did that play a role, I guess, in how you ended up looking at business or just, I guess, applying yourself? I guess my mum never really had, my mum never had a a man in her life to help her do anything. She had to do everything herself. And so I never, 
thought that women couldn't do stuff because, you know, my mum did everything and so I could do everything. And my mum would always tell me that I had to support myself and that I had to look after myself and I had to get a good education. I couldn't rely on a man. And so I always just thought, oh, yeah, I have to rely on myself. I have to do it myself. And, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You have to do your thing and, and bring value. And and um, and I guess the other thing is my mum, she, she came from Hong Kong about five years before I was born. And so she didn't speak English very well. And so um, she always had to... She'd always like ask my brother and I to help her translate or to help her deal with like the phone bill or the electricity bill or those kinds of things. And so um, I, I think that's very typical though, like for, for immigrants, they get the kids to like <laughs> go and, and do those chores. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, you learn, you learn how to do those things from an early age. Mm. Huge, huge. I love how you said that because you only ever seen a woman, you know, working so hard and, and uh, providing that you kind of thought, we, like, well, of course I'm going to do it. There was no kind of thought in, of, you know, I have to lean on someone else, um, which I think is huge. Um, very, very interesting. Okay. So, look, I want to dive a bit deeper into kind of where that mindset took you a bit later on. So, Ended up heading into University of Melbourne to study a Bachelor of Engineering and Computer Science. You know, talk to us a little bit about that time there, that decision to make, uh, the decision you made to go there and to study those things. You know, what did university days teach you about yourself? I I didn't know much about Melbourne actually. Coming from Cairns, you hear a lot about Brisbane, you hear a lot about Sydney, but Melbourne, I guess, a bit is a bit further down. So I didn't know it'd be so cold down here. <laughs> yeah, I I actually thought about studying in Queensland and I went to engineering camp in year 12 at the University of Queensland, learned, learned about engineering, thought it was really awesome. And then I went to a careers fair like a month after that and there was a man from the University of Melbourne standing there and he looked really nice and I was like, well, I don't know anything about Melbourne Uni so I said, tell me why I should study here. And he said, well, well, we're the best university in Australia and we're, you know, we want to get better and we have like, this great campus and we have you know these great subjects and where we perform at a world-class level and it all sounded really exciting to me I'd never you know never heard of it before mm-hmm. and so I looked it up and and I was like oh yeah this, this sounds great so I put in an application form and yeah checked out the halls of residence and I really like um I really like the halls of residence there and so I thought oh yeah I want to want to go to Melbourne Uni and and you know just experience this new world and it was it was a whole new world Mm. It's a whole new world. Yeah, I remember I showed up at the airport and I didn't know anyone in Melbourne. Um, we had a family friend who picked me up from the airport and he said, oh, I, I, I knew who you were from a mile away, <laughs> just the way you dress and everything. And so he took me clothes shopping. Well, yeah. we are the fashion capital, so maybe that helps. <laughs> it was like, no, just no. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, so like it was really, you know, it was really interesting coming to Melbourne. I, I remember in my first week, I met a lot of people at my halls of residence and I said to them, are you from England? Like, your accent is so English. And he was like, I've never been to England in my whole life. And so, yeah, he'd lived in Melbourne his whole life. And so, yeah, I guess when you go to Melbourne University or one of those, you know, top universities in Australia, you meet people from all over the world who've travelled the world. And, yeah, I met all those people and I I was completely in awe and... I, I was like a little fish out of out of the Great Barrier Reef. 
I love that. I love that. And I think it's so interesting how you did grow up in kind of a, not a smaller city, but I guess you could say it is not, you know, it's not a Melbourne or a Sydney in Cairns. And you kind of having that, um, I guess, more smaller city vibe and energy where you, you don't even think about what you dress or what you do, you know, you just kind of do you. I thought I was dressing well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, I love this. Okay, so, look, I mean, talk to us a little bit about what I'm interested to learn is how you decided to study engineering and computer science. You know, you said that, you know, they're, they're two disciplines that are typically that very male-dominated. Male you know, you said that you kind of always thought of yourself as someone who could do anything, even though you were a woman, and I love that. But what kind of led you to study that? Did you like to build things as a child? Like, where did that desire come from? My brother was really curious about things, and he was very creative and liked creating things and building things. And so I, as a little sister, would kind of follow him around and whatever he would do, I'd do as well. So he got really interested in science and maths and learning about famous scientists and mathematicians. And so I would like look up to him and do what he did. And I'd read up about scientists and do maths next to him and do graphics and technical drawings next to him. Like whatever he did, I wanted to do as well. And I think that's where it all began. And then um, my brother went away to university and um, he subscribed to Time magazine and would send all the old copies back to Cairns. And so I'd read all the old copies of Time magazine and I read about the Google guys and um, and Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak and I thought it was really cool how they created these really inspiring, innovative companies. I mean, when I was in high school, they weren't the largest companies in the world, but they were really inspiring. Like, you know, do good, don't be evil. Um, and and Steve Jobs, yeah, in in the mid two thousands, it was like so much energy. It was like, oh, what's going to happen? And his Stanford commencement speech, like, it was all very inspiring. And so I read about the Google guys, and I was like, what am I going to study? And Steve Jobs didn't study at university, um, but the Google guys, they studied computer science. And so, I, yeah, I thought a lot about what to study and 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 um, and I thought, well, okay, well, computer science sounds like a good thing to study. I also thought, like, there were other people who said, oh, maths and philosophy are good things to study if you really want to have, like, a fundamental understanding of the world. Um, but I thought, oh, I'll probably do something a bit more applied than maths and philosophy. And... Um, and I also thought, oh, engineering is, is also a good applied thing to do. And I, I thought that by studying those things it would kind of give me like a broad general overview of engineering and, and um, yeah, enough knowledge about computer science to, to get me started. Mm. I love that. I think so many, of, so many of us can get caught up in what our parents want us to do, what society is telling us to do, and we often do, don't go out and study what we actually want to study. So it's so nice to hear that that you did. What what advice would you give to our peers out there listening who, you know, maybe it that the situation wasn't the same for them. Maybe their parents said you have to go out and study accounting or or law and and you know and you know that kind of stuff. What advice would you give? Well, actually, my mum wanted me to be a doctor. And so I actually did my UMAT exam, which is what you have to do in order to get into medicine. And um, based on those results, I was actually invited to Monash to do a medicine interview. And so I flew down to Monash and they asked me all these biology questions. And then they asked me, uh, this is like after year 12, like uh, December 
um, at, you know, after graduate after graduating year twelve, and they asked me to respond to a scenario. They said John wants to study history, but his parents wanted to do law. What should John do? And I sat in this room at Monash, and I just thought, what am I doing here? Like, no, this is not not for me. Like, and so I just said John should study history because that's what he's passionate about. And then that was the end of it. I went back outside, and my student buddy was like, how did it go? And I said really badly and she said it's fine you can like if you really want to do it you can you know maybe you still maybe you still got in and I said no I don't think so she said oh well maybe like second round offers and I said no and she said well if you really want to do it you can apply again next year and I was like (laughs) no so I like left and I called my mom and I said I'm doing engineering and and that was that so it was like first preference uh engineering computer science at Melbourne Uni second preference medicine at Melbourne Uni Based off that, I love this. What what advice would you give to our peers out there who are being almost forced to do something or or to study a certain thing? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really hard, um, especially if yeah your parents have worked so hard and they have like lots of dreams and aspirations for you. Uh, I think I think I was helped because my brother did architecture before me and he didn't really like it, but my parents were like, "Oh, finish your first year." Oh, finish your second year. Oh, you're halfway through to your Bachelor of Design. You know, just finish and get your Bachelor of Design. And so he spent five years on his Bachelor of Architecture. And then now he doesn't do architecture. So I I think, like, after going through three years of that with my brother, they were like, oh, okay. He kind of wore them down, I guess. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard. It's really, really hard. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, whatever career you do, it's going to be you waking up every day and doing that career, going to work every day and not your parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that, I think parents definitely do mean well and I, I know that and I know that some of my friends they they, they do think their parents were right in, in their parents' career choices for them. Mm. I know it's such a tough one. I think for me personally, I was that person who um did the kind of the finance and, and what my parents kind of thought, you know, that would be good for her to do. And then I came out the other side and realised I wanted to be media. <laughs> so here we are, like, after a five-year degree. Um, and so I think it's such, a, it's such a hard one, I think. In so many respects, our parents just want the best for us. Of course. At the same time, I think it is really important to kind of, you know, pave your own path and and have a bit of a voice but I still think like Mm. I mean even though you don't do finance as like your main thing like I'm sure it still has an impact on your life and still means that you're better you know better off and more knowledgeable in that area compared to other people so I think Mm. like I mean even though my brother doesn't do like architecture as his main thing like I think it still influences what he does and so I guess you know Mm. it all it's just life it all just keeps going I love that it is it's just life Oh, awesome. Okay. So look, Marita, after Melbourne, you decided to start your, I know actually, I think it was when you were at Melbourne, you decided to start your first venture, which you mentioned earlier, which is RoboGals. Talk to us a little bit about what that is and what compelled you to start that business. I mean, I actually did a few things before RoboGals. I, uh, my friend and I, we started Nudge, which is a medication reminder service for people to take their prescription medication sold at pharmacies. Uh, so we we started that because a friend of his forgot to take their antibiotics, and we thought this is this is a good idea. So we built up the technology. Uh, we had it running in four pharmacies, and then we um, so it was like kind of 
happening. Um, and, oh, we, we came first in the undergraduate division of the University of Melbourne business plan competition. Um, so I was in first year uni and by second year uni, I, I while running that business, I thought, you know, I want to do something that has a really big impact that like really influences people where, yeah, we, we get a lot of people involved. Um, and, and so actually at the, uh, at the award ceremony to the business plan competition, the head of the electrical engineering department, Professor Jamie Evans, handed us the award. And I was working on building a simple robot with my friends at the time. I approached him and asked him for funding for our simple robot. And he said that he was interested in getting some uni students together to go to a school to teach girls robotics in order to get them interested in engineering to increase the number of women doing engineering. And I thought, oh, I could actually make a difference in the number of girls in my class. And I thought, if we could go out to one school, why don't we just go to all the schools? And so I made a plan for that to happen. And I... Uh, I recruited 24 of my friends to sign up and um, right after my exams were over I went to Jamie's office and I said here's my plan and he asked me all these questions like where are you going to get the students from and I said here are my 24 friends what's your plan I said this is the plan for the year he said he just kept asking me all these like how much is it going to cost and I said this is how we're going to do it and then he said "What, what do you need from me and I said we need um, to borrow the university's Lego robots and we need them on Tuesday at 9am because that's when we're going to start designing the robotics workshops. And that's how it all began. Okay, I love how what I find really interesting about you is the fact that you were never afraid to kind of do step out on your own and start something of your own. I mean, you said that it was, you were in first year uni, I think that's about 18 or 19 or something years old. And you kind of just thought, oh, great, I'm going to start this thing. Where do you think that comes from for you and how can we gain the courage to step out on our own? Well, I read a lot of books and I read about Richard Branson when I was growing up, so I thought he was really cool and I thought it was really exciting how he started all these companies and and made such a big impact. And But I didn't even know, like, what to call that. I just thought what he does is really cool. And, yeah, when I was at uni... Um, I, you know, I really wanted to use my time at uni to like find out what I was passionate about because in high school I just worked really hard to like get the grades to do medicine and get a scholarship to university. But I thought I don't want to just be that nerd anymore. I want to I wanna, like really find out what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so that's why I wasn't afraid to like do things like that. I was like it's a time of learning. I'm going to go out and learn what I want to learn. And I was um, taking a drink of water from the bubblers near my maths class and I saw this sign that said, uh, this is a new and innovative water bottle. It purifies water. It um, cools down water. You know, put in any water and it will make it drinkable. Uh, and it said, got an idea. You want to learn how to turn that into a business? Come to our talk about entrepreneurship. It's on at this time next Friday. And it was on at the same time as my maths class the next week. And I thought, oh, I'll go to that. And I thought, I'm going to ask all my friends who wants to go with me. And whoever wants to go and skip maths with me to go to this lecture, they'll be my business partner. So like a week later, all my friends were walking out of like our computer science lecture. And I said, hey, who wants to go to this entrepreneurship lecture um, and skip maths? And like, and one person said, yeah, sure. I'll do it. 
And then, yeah, they became my business partner. <laughs> I wish it was that easy I, these I days. I was looking over at him, like, during the lecture, and I'm like, oh, I didn't think it would be him. Like, I thought it would be another guy, but sure, whatever. I guess he's my business partner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I love that. I love how you just throw yourself into things and you make decisions on the whim, on the fly. Um, very, very cool. Okay, so... After that time there, after, you know, that first venture and then, you know, RoboGals, which you actually built into something quite large, um, you know, you graduated and then you headed off to San Francisco, which must, it seems to me, is still plays a huge role in your life today. So I think it was in 2015, you headed over to study at Singularity University in San Fran, um, their 10-week flag, flagship graduate studies program. Very cool. Like, I'd love to learn a bit more about that time there and the venture that you started while you were there. Sure. Well, I actually went to London before that oh. in 20, um, 2009, 2010, and I actually think that had a big impact on me because before that I'd never really gone and lived in another country by myself before. And so I was like, what is this new world? And I thought, oh, I want to start RoboGals in London because then we'll have an even bigger impact. But then I got to London and I was like, this place is huge and everyone's busy and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And after three months in London, I was like, there's nothing like RoboGals here. I want to start RoboGals here and make it difference to the young girls here. And so, yeah, I spent my year, yeah, I spent the next seven months in London, like starting up RoboGals there and establishing a foothold. And I think that time in London really taught me that, I could have a global impact. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just like I could have an impact in Melbourne. I was like, I can make a difference in, in the world. And um, and it made me realise, yeah, London is just like a bigger version of Melbourne. It's like, you know, it's all one world. We're all people. And and I think I came back like a global person. Huge. I think that had a big difference. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah. I want to dive into what were the couple of steps that you took to start this in the UK, in London? Like what did you do when you landed and you were like, great, I'm here, you know, what did you do? Well, I was a uni student at the same time at um, Imperial College doing mechanical engineering and so I went through the clubs and societies in order to recruit people to work with to start RoboGals. Mm, huge. Okay. Very big. And you said that, you know, your time in London was the first time you've kind of was it the first time you went overseas? Or? No, I'd been overseas before that sure. um, to Hong Kong to visit family. Um, and Japan because I learned Japanese when I was going through high school. But it was my first time going to Europe. And, um, yeah, and when, when you're in London, you, you take the cheap Ryanair flights around Europe and you do, you, yeah, you go around the UK and, and all of that. But it was more like, you know, I was an adult and I, um, and not just a high school student, I was there for a year and I was by myself there. So it was, it was just like another, it was like a global stage to, to, to work on and I realised that, yeah, I could I could do it. For those of us who have those ambitions to go overseas and build something or to go overseas and get a job or to build a company over there, you know, what advice would you give just just in terms of kind of first steps to take even? Um, oh, I, you know, I think you, you you can't do anything by you can't do everything by yourself. You really need to ask people for help and um, yeah, partner with people and partner with organisations. Um, I mean, so going back to 2015, which is what your question was about, mm. I went to Singularity University, and it's all around 
teaching you exponential technologies in order to impact the lives of a billion people within the next 10 years. So you learn about the latest in technologies. We had 150 lecturers during the the 10 weeks. And then in the last few weeks, we, we were told, go and start a company. And it was full on. It was like 9 a.m. till midnight every day. It's like hackathons every weekend. And um, we had like guest lecturers come after dinner and talk about like philosophy and the meaning of life. Um, we had like after dinner um like dna test kit uh make your own make your own dna test kit things i don't know like we just had all these activities it was full on every single day and and it was amazing like all of us there that year we all got in on a full google scholarship so no one had to pay and so yeah that meant they just chose like whoever they thought would be best that aligned with this vision of using tech for good it was a lot of fun and it was just this little bubble because we lived on campus and we studied on campus. So our rooms were like five metres away from the classroom and we just spent like 10 weeks together. Huge. Was that only with other Melbourne Uni kids or was that a global? It was global. Yeah, yeah. so I was, uh, I think I was the only person from Australia that year. Wow. And, um, yeah, we had representation from 44 countries. The majority were women, 80 students in total. So it was really fun. And yeah, out of that, in the in the last few weeks, my my co-founder and I, my classmate and I, we we co-founded iPoly, and uh, yeah, we just we just thought about the lectures that we saw and the technologies that we saw, and I I had a meeting at Google.org uh, about my robotics company, and I asked the person I met with, what are some problems that you see um, in the computer vision space? Because she had a PhD in that area. As you do when you work at Google, and um, and she 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 said, well, one of the problems is her blind friend gets out of a car, and even though he spends hours planning his journey from A to B, once he gets out of a car, he still doesn't know exactly what he's looking at. Is he looking at the building? Is he looking at the park? And it's it's really stressful for him. And so we thought back to our lectures that we saw, and we thought, well, why don't we put image recognition on a phone so that blind people could recognize everyday objects around them making their lives easier and so we did that and we we started like calling all these blind organizations and showing them what we created we created an mvp um and yeah within within like 10 days we were in TechCrunch. yeah <laughs> yeah 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 was that from the idea from concept just the idea of it yeah. to wow yeah i think we came up with the idea on a wednesday and then and then we were in TechCrunch by like Sunday, Sunday like the week a week later. So that is inc- more than ten days. Yeah, that is incredible. I think it just it dispels every or any kind of misconception or, or thought around business needs to be so thought out. You need to really have worked on it for months and months and years and years and years. And I mean, it just it just shows that if you've got a really solid idea, if you found a problem to solve, that yeah you can actually progress quite quickly. Oh, yeah. we Yeah, we got a lot of great traction and, and um, yeah, in the press, like, our videos have had, yeah, over 20 million views on, like, oh. Business Insider um, and, yeah, other news websites. So we've had a lot of, like, attention and, and that meant that that business could, like, grow and, and branch out to other areas and, and find new customers for our technology. Huge. So after that time there where you literally just created – this incredible invention and everyone was going crazy over it um, in 10 days, you know, where did that kind of take you? Were you still, did you continue on with that business and stay in San Fran? Did you 
head back to Australia. What happened next? Yeah, I had um, my robotics company in Australia. So I came back to Australia with my iPoly co-founder and we continued building the iPoly technology alongside building the robotics technology. So that was, yeah, so we did that for um, about nine months, a year. And then my co-founder went back to San Francisco to continue building iPoly. And I stayed in Melbourne in order to finish building our robots and launch our robots. Wow. What's the most challenging thing of bu- when it comes to building a robot? <laughs> oh, there's a lot of challenges. Um, I think it's it takes a lot of time to get it right. Like it could function correctly, but maybe it looks terrible. And so you need to make it look better, but then you have to go back and change how it functions again. And so it's this continuous loop of just getting everything right. Um, you have to get the the aesthetics right, like mechanically. Um, you have to get all the electronics right so that it's not overpowered, it's not underpowered, um, so that the the lines are thick enough on the printed circuit boards for the for, for yeah the currents that you need. Otherwise, like the robot could just fail, um, <laughs> or, or like um, and and then the software has to like function as well in order for the robot to to fully work. And so you have to get all those things right. And it's this continuous cycle of getting all those things right. And and when you change one thing, you have to change everything. Mm. So it takes a long time. Wow, so interesting. Once again, what I find so interesting about you is the fact that. You know, I'm guessing when you started this, you didn't have heaps of experience behind your belt. You know, you studied at Melbourne and whatnot, but, you know, in terms of professional robotics experience, I'm guessing it would have been quite limited. What, you know, advice would you give to our peers out there listening who feel like they don't have enough experience, but, you know, they really do want to start this thing or this idea or pursue this business? What advice would you give to them? Yeah, I definitely didn't have enough experience at all. I yeah, I just really wanted to start a robotics company and and I thought well the best way to learn is to just go out and do it and so I just went out and spoke to everyone and asked them for advice and whatever advice they gave I would like apply that to my robotics knowledge and just expand my robotics knowledge a little bit a little bit and I just kept yeah, just kept going and until I until I produced anything really. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of hard work. Mm, mm, huge. And I think so many of us stop when it gets hard. You know, I think so many of us go, oh, to build that robot or in my case to build a company or in someone else's case maybe to to find a job in London. You know, it's just it gets hard. And I think we all have a tendency to go, ah, it's hard. Let's just put that to the side. You know, how can we, I guess, gain the the diligence to keep going like what can we do what tactical skills can we can we use well I think it's always got to be hard because Mm -hmm. like if it's easy then you're not learning and you're not challenging yourself and so yeah I think for me I'm always like okay are things easy now like if they're too easy like am I not challenging myself enough and so I'm always looking for the next challenge and and always just thinking, okay, well, how can I create an environment in which I can expand into? And so if I don't think I'm expanding enough, then maybe I need to change my environment so that I can expand and learn more. Mm. How can we change our environment? Just putting yourself out there into into new and unknown places. 
like you've done so many times. Yeah, like going from Cairns and yeah. going yeah, going to Melbourne and then going from Melbourne to London and then London back to Melbourne. And then, yeah, now now going to the US and San Francisco. Mm, huge. Love it. Look, I want to, this is so interesting, Marsha, but I want to, before we start to finish up, I want to dive into Albot. I want to dive into that time now. So look, talk to us about what Albot is. I had a look at the animation or the video you've got online and it's so cool. Um, so talk to us about what it is and kind of where the company is at now and your current, I guess, what your current work looks like. Sure. Uh, so Albot makes robots help people in their everyday lives. So we started by building robotic arms for people with limited upper limb mobility. And then we built a uh, telepresence robot for people with um, long-term illness or a disability to go to school or work remotely. And, yeah, we have robots around Australia. Uh, people dial into them, go, go to work, go to school. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we've done a lot of prototyping into different robots as well going forward. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've looked into social robots uh we've looked into um having like a virtual reality telepresence experience uh we've looked into other types of robotic arms with uh, movable platforms and so we actually yeah we're actually working on that right now a robotic arm and a movable platform and that's actually going to be shown internationally um via a documentary with al jazeera in february Wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Very, very cool. Yeah. I'm sure your episode will be out by then, so we'll be able to link it up in the show oh, cool. notes. Very cool. Okay, wow. Look, Marita, you've you've done so much. You have, in the, you know, in the last seven years of your entrepreneurial journey, you've won so many awards. You've made such an impact. You know, you were, you're a member of the Order of Australia. You've been named by Forbes as one of the world's top 50 women in tech. You've also been listed on the Forbes 30 under 30 list of 2016. And in 2012, you were the Young Australian of the Year. Absolutely incredible. We so appreciate um, all that you've done. What advice would you give to our peers out there who have big goals and big ambitions like you, but are a bit confused as to where to start? What advice would you give? Yeah, you just got to start where you're at. I mean, when I first came to Melbourne, I didn't know anyone. I was a badly dressed person at the airport getting picked up by a family friend. And like, yeah, I didn't know anyone. No one knew me. And I just started from there. You know, met met the head of the electrical, you know, met the head of electrical engineering department through the business plan competition and said, oh, hey, I want to do this thing. And he was like, do this other thing. And I was like, okay, sure. And, um, and, you know, I just started from there. I started with what I had. And I think, yeah, start with what you have, work really hard, do a good job and just make the most of what you have rather than being envious of what you don't have. Bingo. I love it. Well, look, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you, Marita, for all the brilliant work you've done and that you're doing. You really are an example for all of us millennials out there, for our generation, show us that we can do it too, that we can, you know, step up, work hard and, and achieve something great. And so for that, we really appreciate you. Thanks, Michelle. Awesome. So look, the final question is how we finish all of our interviews here at the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value 
of pursuing what you're most passionate about? I think the value of me pursuing what I'm most passionate about is that I get to share like my energy and my enthusiasm with the world and that's infectious and I think that if we can unlock more people to share their energy and enthusiasm then we can solve the world's problems. Ah I love it. Marita ladies and gentlemen where can people learn more about you and Albot? Uh, they can go to my website, maritasheng.com or Albert's website, albert.com. And you can follow my journey there or also on Facebook. Like uh, it's just facebook.com forward slash my name is Marita. Perfect. Easy. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thanks so much again, Marita. We've had a blast. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review. We produce with passion and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. <laughs>